when the aftermath of that scene with Saul and Samuel, remember Saul pulling on the robe, tearing it, Samuel's robe, Samuel responding, this day the Lord has torn the kingdom from you and given it to a neighbor of yours who's better than you. What happens after that? I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 right at the end. Samuel leaves that encounter, goes over to Agag, the king that Saul had refused to kill, and hacks him in pieces. But you find out that Samuel, from this point on, never interacts with Saul the rest of his life. This is in 1 Samuel 15, verse 35. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul. Samuel had given his life, his help, to to try to help Saul be successful. But because of Saul's failure to submit to the word of the Lord, the word given often through Samuel, the kingdom was torn away from Saul. And this this hurt Samuel. This this was something that affected him very deeply, very personally. And even even the Lord himself uh, regrets making Saul as king. You see that at the last phrase of uh, chapter 15. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. But by the time we get to chapter 16, we're we're thinking, okay, God is tearing the kingdom away from Saul, and he's saying, I'm going to give it to a neighbor of Saul's who's better than Saul, someone that is a man after God's own heart. This is what God is looking for. You come to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and our attention is now drawn back to Samuel, because Samuel the prophet has been the one that anointed Saul to be king. Now he knows that Saul's not going to be king for long. And he knows that God is looking for someone to be the king, someone that God wants to choose as king. So you come into 1 Samuel chapter 16, and you find out that Samuel's still pretty grieved over Saul. And the Lord comes to Samuel and basically says, Samuel, why are you still so upset about this? How long are you going to grieve over Saul? It's time to move on. And he tells Samuel to go down to Bethlehem, where he's going to find a future king. Now, now Samuel is often called, uh, he's a prophet, but he's often called at this time a seer. This is how uh, prophets at this time in Israel's history were referred to. They were people who could see things, see God's will about things. And I think that's interesting as we read through the story. So God basically tells Samuel, go down to Bethlehem and I'm going to show you someone to anoint. So he goes down to to the house of a a man named Jesse. Jesse has a bunch of sons that he brings out uh, so that Samuel can look at these sons. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and look at verse 6. It says, When they came out, he looked on Eliab, who was the oldest son of Jesse. And he thought, because Samuel the seer is seeing this, this young man, he says, Surely the Lord's anointed, the Lord's Messiah, is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. That's how how they got the first king, Saul. Because I have rejected him, Eliab. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's interesting, right? Because Samuel is a seer and God tells him, look, you're looking, you're seeing the wrong thing. You're looking at his outward appearance and thinking he looks like a king, but that's not how I see. I look 
on the heart. So then Jesse called the, the father calls another son over and, and Samuel realizes this is not the king either. And then another son and another son and, and all of these sons and eventually Samuel's like, none of these. Do, do you have any other kids sitting around somewhere? And then Jesse says in verse 11, well, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's out keeping the sheep. He just out with the sheep. I mean, it's not not him, but Samuel says, bring, bring him here. And so that the dad, Jesse, sends out, brings this son in. And it says in verse 12, he was ruddy, had beautiful eyes, he was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is he. Samuel takes the horn of oil, anoints him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushes upon David. That's the son of Jesse from Bethlehem, from the tribe of Judah. David, the same one that had been mentioned by name back in the book of Ruth. Remember, these are the generations of Perez, and it led down through Boaz and Ruth, through Obed, through, through uh, was it Jesse, and then down to David. And now here it is, David, the spirit of the Lord rushing upon him. He is the Lord's anointed, the Lord's Messiah, someone that God has chosen, someone that God says, I've looked on his inside, on his heart, and I see him. He's the one that I want to be king over my people. And Samuel rose and went back, or went up to Ramah. And it's interesting, as you read the next story in chapter 16, the spirit of the Lord then departs from Saul. Saul, though he remains as the king over Israel, is not blessed by the Lord. He, even God's spirit that has been on Saul, empowering Saul to rule for God, is removed. And now without God's spirit empowering Saul, Saul is experiencing great torment. He even has to call in uh, David from time to time to, to play music for him, to try to calm him down. Saul is going to be going down and down, but David, the trajectory is up and up because he is God's anointed. Now, it doesn't seem like Saul knows this yet, though. Samuel knows it, David knows it, but not Saul. Now we come into 1 Samuel chapter 17, and, we, and we're told this story, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, really. A story of something happening during Saul's reign. One of their enemies, one of the main enemies of Israel at this time, the Philistines, have a leader, a champion, a giant named Goliath. I think he's like nine feet, nine inches tall, something like that. This is in chapter 17, verse 4. And, and you get this scene, the Philistines stand on one side, uh, the, the Israelites stand on another, and they come out and they look at each other every day. But the Philistines have this champion, Goliath, uh, chapter 17, verse 4, and he'd come out and he was six cubits high, again, something like maybe nine and a half feet or so, and, and huge uh, man, and he's carrying incredibly heavy armor, and there's all of these descriptions, because, and remember, the Bible doesn't give a lot of this kind of physical description, but, but you're supposed to see Goliath as this giant enemy of God. And what does he do? It's not just how big he is and how intimidating he looks. It's, it's what he's saying. He's taunting 
the people of Israel day after day. And he, and he wants to make this deal with the Israelites on behalf of his people, the Philistines. And he says, look, send somebody out one-on-one -on -one and we'll fight. And if I beat him, you become our servants. If he beats me, we'll become your servants. But Goliath also is taunting the Lord, not just the people of Israel, but the God of Israel. And when Saul, the king, and all Israel would hear these words, you know how they would feel? Afraid. This is in verse 11. They'd hear, they, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then the, the storyteller says, but, but, there was, but there was another guy. Verse 12, you've heard of him. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, that, the son of Jesse, who had eight sons. And in the days of Saul, okay, so see, now we're being John towards David. We've seen Goliath. He's, he's huge. He's intimidating, taunting Israel and the God of Israel. Everybody in Israel is afraid. Even the king, Saul, has no interest in going out and fighting on behalf of his people against this Israelite. He, he is not a man of faith, and he certainly doesn't want to risk his life out there against Goliath. But now our attention is drawn back to David, and we know this is a guy with a heart like God's. Like, but what does that really mean? What does that look like? He has God's Spirit on him. He's been anointed. He's not yet the king, but he's been anointed to be the king. Well, David comes down to check up on his, on his brothers to see how they're doing. And, and it so happens that because Goliath is doing this every day, that while David's down here talking with his older brothers, he sees Goliath coming. He hears what Goliath has to say. And he also sees what's going on in Israel. That there's nobody willing to fight for, not just for Israel, but for the name of the God of Israel. And he can't understand this. How, how is it possible that no one here is, cares enough about the name of Yahweh to go out and fight in the battle? His, his brothers are not impressed by these desires that are going on and uh, these thoughts running through David's mind. But, but David doesn't really care. He, he's willing to fight. And if you look at chapter 17, verse 21, Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. This has been going on a long time. And David left the things that he had in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, he, he spoke with them. He saw how afraid they were. And he's going to tell them, look, I, I'm willing to go. But, but I just wanted to point that out because don't you remember? Don't you remember how when, when Saul was being called out to be the king. Do you remember where he was? He was hiding in the baggage. And I love this story because David, you know, he, he's out with the, uh, with the stuff that he brought for his brothers. And when he sees the battle about to go on, when he sees Goliath about to come out, you know, he, does, he, he runs from the baggage to the battle. This is, this is the kind of king that you need. And, and Eliab, his brother, in verse 28 Here's what David is saying, what he's thinking. And he, and he says, why don't you go back to the sheep, basically? We don't, we don't want you down here. Well, verse 31. The words that David has been speaking about how he's not afraid to go out and fight, they eventually reach even to Saul. And listen to what David says to Saul. This is in 1732. David said to Saul, 
I mean, imagine this, a young boy, he, a young man, I mean, maybe he's a teenager, and he says to the king, who is head and shoulders above every other Israelite, he says, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I mean, the, the teenager going to, going to the king, saying, king, don't be afraid. Don't let anybody, don't let any of all these soldiers be afraid. I'll go out and I'll fight against Goliath. Saul says to him, you're not able to do this. You're just a youth. David says, now I'm, I, I want to go. The Lord has delivered me from the bears, from the, from the lion when I've been out with the sheep. And the Lord's going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul says, all right, you go. The Lord, the Lord be with you. David takes some stones, a sling, and he goes out to the Philistine. See, it's interesting. This is a long chapter. But the whole, th I mean, most of the chapter, the vast majority of it is just setting up the scene so that you can see this. This giant of a man, Goliath, taunting God and the armies of the living God. Nobody in Israel willing to fight except for a young man who's jealous for the name of God. And he's going out. The whole fate of the nation is on his shoulders. He is the Lord's anointed. The Spirit of God is on him. And he's going out with a couple of stones to fight a man who's got armor that, that probably weighs more than David, you might think. Now, chapter 17, verse 41. The Philistine moves forward, comes near to David. When the Philistine looks and sees David, he disdained him because he was just a youth. Verse 43, and the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Philistine said to David, come to me, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see, this, this is about, for David, it's not just about Israel. It's about what Goliath has been doing to the name of the Lord. It says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I'll cut off your head and I'll give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air. Why? So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly that's been so afraid may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he'll give you into our hand. And they go out and they fight and David slings the stone and it hits the giant in the head and he falls down and David takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. And he think that is what we've been waiting for. Someone willing to fight for the name of the Lord in faith in the Lord with God's spirit on him who will literally crush the head of his enemies and win for the people of God. I think this, this is the kind of man we've been waiting for. The whole story of the Bible in, from from. The beginning chapters, through the promise to Abraham to raise up a king, through, through the promise to Judah, all the way to that song of Hannah, 
about the kind of king we were to look for. God being a God of knowledge who can see the kind of man, a, a man that he wants to raise up out of the dust. A, a nobody, somebody that would think, what, did the kid that's out with the sheep? Surely not him. Even the seer can't see it. But this has been the story of the Bible leading us to look for a young man like this, full of faith, jealous for the name of the Lord. Maybe that's what it is to be a man after God's own heart, to be a man passionate for the name of the Lord, who will fight for his name and who wants all people in all places to know the name of the Lord.